So I was uh, sharing the Lord with somebody yesterday, and it kind of prompted me to move in that direction tonight. And and I shared how the Lord in John chapter 15, actually in John chapter 14, verse 27, it said that he left us his peace. And I thought, well, you know, you could have left me a street of gold. I mean, you know, you could help me out that way. You know, you couldn't. And then when you get over into chapter 15, I think around verse 11, it says that he left us his joy. So again, that reminds me of what the kingdom is. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. But that peace doesn't, it's not, he said, it's not the peace that the world gives you. So it's not something that you necessarily feel around you. Um, but it's in the word of God. It's like, it's like, um, it's like Proverbs three, five and six, you know, trust in the Lord. And I, I changed it in my confession. I trust in the word with all of my heart and lean not on my own understanding, but in all of my ways, I acknowledge the word and the word directs my steps. I'm not wise in my own eyes. I take a hold of the word. I reverence the word and it causes me to depart from evil. And so, and so it just changed. It's like joy. I'm not going to necessarily experience joy by looking around out there. But when I look in the Word, I get joyful. It's kind of like this guy was sharing with me, his, you know, family situation. And I don't know if you have family, I guarantee you have a situation. <laughs> and But if you look at the situation... You, look, you have to look away from the Word of God to look at the situation. As long as I'm looking in the Word of God, everything looks fine. And so this guy was struggling with his children. I said, well, you know, um, again, Jeremiah 31, verses 16 and 17 settled that for me. You know, he said, stop your voice from weeping and your ears from tears, for your work shall be rewarded. And then he says, your children will return again to their own borders. Now, that's the prodigal chapter in Jeremiah, and it's known as the prodigal chapter. So when Jesus taught on the prodigal son, they would automatically, in their Hebrew minds, would have went back and thought of those verses. But if you believe and trust in those verses, then it doesn't matter what your family's doing. You know, if you really trust in God, then you need to know that it's going to be all right. It's turning. I, you know, the Song of Solomon, I, I, uh, ign I ignored that for years. It just too much, you know, anyway. So until the Passion Translation came out two or three years ago, and then you could read it, and then it could make sense, you know, that you could find out that, you know. But part of that, he's talking about the Lord behind the lattice work of your life. And so I remember when Joey was getting his deck built, and he put this new lattice work around and so he can see out and the breeze will still come in. But if you saw a movement in there, probably wouldn't because he'd probably be sleeping. No, but if there was movement in there, you wouldn't see him so much as you'd, you'd know that there was something going on. And God wants you to know that something is going on in your life. And he wants you to know that he, 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 want, he cherishes you. He he cherishes you. I, I, one of the greatest things that ever happened to me is I got past the Strong's Concordance and some of those other things and started searching the Bible words. And 
Although I'm not knocking the strong concordance, I'm just saying that you can get in, you can find Greek and Hebrew linguists that can really unfold the word of God and change everything. Like if you read John chapter 21, where Peter, 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 do you love me? And Peter says, you know, I love you. And Jesus is saying, Peter, do you agape me? And, and Peter's saying, well, I follow you. What does that mean? It means like, I love chicken. No, if I love chicken, I would let it live. I love my flesh and my flesh loves the, wants the chicken. So the chicken had to pay the price. But when you read through that, if you just read it in the, in the King James or in some of the other translations, it doesn't give you the picture of Peter not being in that place of agape love with the Lord. And so you can, you know, you can know about God, but it takes time and effort to know God. It's like Nancy and I have been married for 34 years, and we, and I've mentioned many times, I hear her voice when she's not around. And it's not always a bad thing, like, don't leave that there, you know. <laughs> but how did that happen? I know her voice, and she doesn't have to be physically there for me to hear it. And God doesn't have to be physically here for me to no, he's with me. I read something about Mother Teresa that made me cry. It said that for 50 years, she didn't even experience the presence of God. She wrote that in 1997 or whenever before she died. She went 50 years without even experiencing and doing all that honorable work and all of that. And I thought, wow, that's not the way that's supposed to be. But if you don't understand the word of God, you can live like that. I don't know how I'm going to start this. I, I think I'm going to start in the middle and see which end we go to. We need to go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, please. Because I found a word in my, in my search like, like, get the book on the numerology of the Bible. Get books on the Hebrew alphabet. Get those things and enlighten yourself. It'll, it, it just, it changes everything. This verse, this, this word that I'm going to give you tonight will change everything, the way that you look at God in the, in the first covenant. And it'll change the way that you look at him in the second covenant. Or I know there's a bunch of covenants, so don't come and correct me later and say, well, there were seven. Or, you know, that, that's not my point. My point is the, the, the ones that we have, you know, the, the main ones that we're looking at right here, the, the first covenant right here. So it says um, in verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And look at this, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. And these words he commanded, he said, I'm commanding you this day. Well, can you imagine? I command you to love me. Like, how do you do that? Like if Nancy said, I command you to love me. I'd say, give it a rest, girl. <laughs> That's not how it works. And so when you read this word, 
Thou shalt love. Let's just unfold it a little bit. Thou shalt love. Rahavet, R-A-H-R-H-A-V-E-T. Now, love is hava in the Hebrew. And heart is, by the way, the word heart is love, L-U-V, where we get, you know, get our word love from. But this word here, thou shalt love, is havat, R-H-A-V-E-T, and it's in the perfect tense, which means it's already been done, which means it is a faith statement. Like David rejoicing and saying, thank you, Lord, you've, you've defeated my enemies when they were still surrounding him. Right? It was like, it, it's like, well, let's read it. Let's read on a little further. The, the word command, you got to get this, T-S-A-V-A-H, command. And this is the same thing he said, by the way, in Mark 12, 30. You know, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And this is the great commandment, right? So, so if I think that God has commanded me to love Caleb and Ariel, then I'm under some kind of an obligation. But let's look at this word, T-S-A-V-A-H. Oh, am I going to read through the whole thing? Okay. The word command, this word, I'm just going to break, I'm, I'm not going to get through into all of the Hebrew letters and everything tonight. But the word command, when you back it down, you look in Aramaic, when you look in all the early languages, Hebrew being the oldest, it literally means a pile of rocks. And so then when you think about in Genesis chapter 31, when, when, um, when Jacob and Laban separated, they put up a pile of rocks. And it was a place where they entered into a covenant with one another and said, this part is yours and this part's mine. But this pile of rocks, it's like, it's, it's like, I'm struggling to, to do this. I, I'm not going to struggle. Amen. It's like, Back in those days, they didn't have Google Maps. And back in those days, if you were crossing the desert, the landscape would change from day to day. And in those days, what they did to mark their way, because you couldn't, if it's an overcast night, you can't even be guided by the stars. What they would do is they would pile rocks to mark the way. And so then, so yeah, but think about this in the, when you're thinking about the word command. Because, because whether I look in the Old Testament at this word, or I look at Entol in the New Testament, or if I look in the Aramaic, it's Paquata or something like this. It means simply means a map through the desert. It means direction. It means guidance. So now these commandments... Well, how about, how about this? How about Psalm chapter 1? He said, you know, you're not going to walk in the counsel of the ungodly and stand in the way of the sinner and sit the seedless scornful, but you're going to delight in the law of the Lord. What he's saying there is you're going to delight in the guidance of the Lord. 
How about Galatians 3.24? The law was a schoolmaster to bring you to Christ. No, the law was a guide. The, the, the law was a pathway to lead you to Christ. So it means direction. It means guidance. And really, when you look at it in Psalm chapter 1, it's like a, a treasure map. He said, I'm not going to walk in the counsel of the ungodly, stand the way the sinners or sit in the seat of the skinful, skinful, <laughs> scornful, but in, but, but in his law, in his guidance, I'm going to meditate day and night, and then I will make my pro- way prosperous, and I will have good success. So when I say, now, when, I, when, when you hear about the Ten Commandments now, they're not the ten suggestions, I understand that, and they're not the ten recommendations either. They are the ten guidelines. And if you'll do them, they'll guide you into a good life. And if you don't, they won't. But and again, Galatians 3.24, Paul said, this was your guide. This was, the law was given on purpose to lead you to Christ. So that's why when he'll tell you in John chapter 15, this is my commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. That's a guideline so that you can live a, a, a successful life. Like if you'll do what he says, how many of you know if you do what he says, things will turn out all right? So um, I'm so off where I wanted to go tonight. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Well, let's go to um, Psalm. I just discovered some of these things today. And so it's very fresh with me. And I pray that you'll get what I'm, what I'm trying to communicate to you tonight. Uh, Psalm, how about Psalm 68? And once you get there, go back to Psalm 66. Verse 18, and this has got nothing to do with where we're going in verse chapter 68, but I just want, I can't pass by this verse without looking at it. He said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord won't hear me. He didn't say, if he regards iniquity in his heart, he won't hear me. What he's saying in, to me in this verse is, don't identify with the thief on the cross. Identify with the one that's hanging there for your redemption. And so often as Christians, we identify with the thief on the cross. Remember when, when you get to your kingdom. But like Caleb, when he was praying over the offering, brought it out so clear. We are, we are, we are heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. You're his beloved. Even in the correction that he gives in Colossians chapter 3, he, he calls you beloved. Come on, right in the middle of it all. Anyway, so, so, so when you think about this, a guilty conscience will produce an expectation for punishment. But he came to take away your expectation of punishment by nailing it to his cross. Again, he said, the peace that I leave with you, the peace that he leaves with you, shalom in the Hebrew, Irene in the Greek, it, it means that, that, with, that, you, that you have complete complete confidence in him and complete right relationship with him, even when it doesn't feel like it, even when it doesn't look like it. So, so again, all you need to know is that, you know, that guilty conscience is poison. A guilty conscience is poison to you. 
You cannot allow it in your life. It'll mess you up. Okay, now let's go to Psalm 68, verse 6. God sets the solitary in what? In families. So he puts you in the body of Christ. You're, his, you're in his family. And it says here that those that were bound in chains are now in families. But the rebellious dwell in a dry place. And I looked at the word rebellious, and, it, and it's the word safar, where you get uh, Sahara Desert, for example, Sahar, Sahara Desert. And then when it talks about a dry place, it talks about a place that th this desert place is a place where when the sand blows, it exposes everything that doesn't belong there. And so when the sands of time blow across your life, it's to expose what's there. I, I, Isaiah 44, verse 3. Where did I say go? Isaiah 44? We might as well read it while we're here. Okay, he said, yet, I just want to zero in again on verse 3. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. Hallelujah. And he said, and I'll pour the water upon the dry ground. We just talked about what the dry ground was. It's a desert place. And usually it's brought about by rebellion. Desert places are lots of times brought about by rebellion. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, it's kind of like, again, Revelation 2 and verse 4. If you, if you go away from your first love and you get distracted by the cares of this world and all the other things that are going on, you get yourself in a place where you, you dry out. And so, but, but here he said, he said, I'll pour water on the one that's thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. And I'll pour my spirit out upon your seed and blessing upon your offspring. And they shall spring up as the grass in the willows by the water course. One shall say, I am the Lord's and another shall call himself by the name of Jacob. Another shall subscribe to his hand unto the Lord and surname himself Israel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're hungry and we're thirsty. We create an appetite for the things of the Spirit of God. And I'm going to go back to Genesis chapter 32 because we've been there before. It's okay to go there again. But to illustrate my point, we need to go right back to Genesis chapter 31 for a moment. Again, this, this chapter 31 is when, is when Jacob left Laban. Laban chased after him, caught up with him, and they entered into a covenant. And so we'll pick it up in verse um, 13. And Laban answered and said unto Jacob, These daughters are my daughters, and these children are my children, and these cattle are my cattle, uh, and all that you see is mine. <laughs> Now, therefore, come and let us make a covenant in I and you, and let it be for a witness to me and you. And Jacob took up a stone and set it up for a pillar. And Jacob said unto his brethren, gather stones. That they, and they took the stones and made a heap, and, and they sat and ate there at that heap. And Laban called the name of one thing, and, and, and Jacob called it another, two different languages. And Laban said, this heap is a witness between me and you. Therefore, he named it 
uh, and Jacob named it Gilead or, or Galeed and Mitzvah, for he said, the Lord watch between me and you when we are absent from one another. So they entered into a covenant by piling up a bunch of rocks. Again, what happened when, when God gave the commandments on stone? It's a pillar. It's a guideline. So thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is perfect tense, which means it's already been done. And so and you're not struggling trying to do it. By faith, you're receiving it. Love your neighbor as yourself. By faith, you do that. You don't wait for an emotional feeling. You follow that commandment. He said, he said my commandment is that you love one another. And so, in perfect tense, I'm already doing it. I'm not waiting for a feeling to catch up with me. Then we get into chapter 32. And we found out when we looked at it that Jacob was looking for peace with Esau. But what he really needed was peace with himself. And I suspect that that's the way that it is with most people. We're looking out there when really if the peace of God is to rule our hearts and rule our minds. And so that peace is already within you. The righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost is already in there. I, I need to be working that out. Working out your own salvation with reverence and anticipation, right? Working it out. So, so it says here that even though Jacob had been redeemed, he's still greatly afraid of Esau. He's greatly afraid of punishment coming. And so he ends up, we know the story, he ends up wrestling with the Lord all night. And he's saying, I will not let you go until you bless me. And so, so the attitude that you and I have, I, I'm already blessed, but I'm not letting go of you, God. Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter 3. He said, not that I've already attained, but he said, I'm, I'm, I'm after the one, I'm going to capture the one that's already captured me. He said, I'm going after this, looking to the next marker point, to the high calling of God in Christ. He was a desperate man, even when he knew, oh, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, be conformable unto his death. I just got to know him. I just need to have him. I need to have him in my life, even though I already had him. He was passionate about pursuing God. And so this is what happened. This is what happened with Jacob. And of course, his name became Israel and he walked with a limp for the rest of his life. But over in Hebrews 11 and verse 21, it says that he, he, Jacob, worshiped God, blessing both of his sons, both of Joseph's sons. He worshiped both of his sons, leaning upon his staff. He, you know, it's like Mephibosheth in Samuel chapter 9. You go through the whole story, and at the end of the chapter it says, he's still lame in his feet. What he's saying is, you can't do this. You can't walk this out on your own strength. And the cool thing about what Jacob did, Paul and Shirley would come up here. When you read Genesis chapter 48, and it's the time when Joseph brought Ephraim and Manasseh up for the old man, whose sight was not good anymore, they said, and they wanted the blessing before, before he left. And so what, what Jacob did was he got up 
and he was supposed to put his blessing upon Manasseh, the firstborn, but he didn't. He switched hands. Read it in Genesis 48. He switched hands and put the blessing of the firstborn on the younger, on the younger one. And, uh, and the younger one would receive the double blessing. And the Bible says Joseph tried to stop him, but it says that he did it wittingly. He was being led by the Holy Ghost. And that's really John 14, 12. These works will you do and greater works because I go to my father. And God, God put the blessing, put the curse rather on Jesus and put the blessing upon you. He switched hands. And the blessing of the firstborn came upon you. That's what happened when he was there leaning upon his staff. That's powerful truth. Amen. So, uh, hallelujah. So, so here's Jacob. He wrestled with the, with the angel of the Lord all night and would not let him go. And th that's a passion. That's a desperation that we find over in the Song of Solomon. Hallelujah. My Bible doesn't just fall open there. I apologize for that. But I, I, but I did read through it several times from the Passion Translation because it does make sense. When I found out who I was and, and all of that, and they got rid of some of the King James stuff. But anyway, in Song of Solomon, chapter, chapter 3. In chapter 3, it kind of reminds me of... It kind of reminds me of Revelation 2 and verse 4. I lost my first love. And when I think of I lost my first love, I don't think about it in a negative way against myself. What does I mean is distractions get him, got in my way, and now I can't find him to the degree that I knew him before. Like when I, again, when I read about Mother Teresa, I'm thinking, God, how could you live like that? I mean, I, I, you don't get goosebumps every day, but you know, in, how, you know in your knower, right? You know in your knower that God is with you, God is for you, who can be against you. you, you when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, that part of you, that, that stays with you. That stays with you. But so, but here, here is this Shunammite woman, and she had lost, she had lost her, her Messiah. But here in verse 3, well, no. How about verse 3? How about chapter 3 and verse 1? By night on my bed, I sought him who my soul loves. I sought him and I couldn't find him. I'll rise up now and go about the city, running through the streets at night, looking for the one that was lost. I'll seek him who my soul loves. Loves, I sought him, and I found, but I, but I, I found him not. But then, in verse three, the watchmen, the watchmen that meet here on Thursday mornings, the watchmen are the prayers people. The watchmen that go about in the city found me, whom I said, I see him, whom my soul loves, and. He was but a little, it was but a little that passed from them. 
but I found him. I found him. Found is the word matzah. Isn't that something? Matzah, something that was lost. I found him, matzah. We have the hagamatzah. We take the matzah for, for a communion. I found him whom my soul had lost. The watchman found me. The watchmen that go about in the city found me and saw him whom my soul loves. It was not but a little that I passed from them, but I, but I found him whom my soul loves. And I held him. And that word held him is the word akaz, A-C-H-A-Z. I held him and would not let him go. I found him. Would not. It means literally to take possession. Again, what Caleb prayed over the offering. An heir and a joint heir. You t- you, he took possession of you. But that's what Paul was really talking about in Philippians chapter 3. He took possession of me and now I'm taking possession of him. I'm not going to let him go. I l- like, can we just, maybe we should just fold it up over there. But even the word, even the word, even the word, Ahaz, A-C-H-A-Z. It's three letters. Alif, God. Chet, C-H-E-T-H. It's the eighth letter. It means to bind myself. And Zayin, it's represented by a sword in the Hebrew. So really what it says is, I have bound myself to the Lord. He is my protection. I got a hold of him. I'm not letting him go. Amen. Where did I say go after that? Did I say anything about going anywhere after that? Hmm? Philippians chapter 3. On the way to Philippians, we'll just pass by John chapter 14 and 15. And then we'll close in Philippians chapter 3. I haven't struggled with a message like I have tonight in a long, long time. So it must be Vital. I just warmed it up tonight. I'm going to feel like I need to do it again. No, no, I need to make sure that like you're lighting up when you hear it. Okay, okay, all right. Okay, but again, John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be Afraid. So when you're looking in the word where the peace comes from, your heart won't be troubled or afraid. If you're looking at the world, if you're looking at the social media, if you're looking at some things, it's not good out there right now. I still get people send me that stuff every day. And I just delete, 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 delete. I want to hear any more about that. This is, this, this is the truth. The other things are just facts that are subject to change. You know, Dale Bigley called me today. Of course, he was supposed to be here the middle of September. And at first, I was thinking, this, first I was thinking, hope Brother Dale take this from my heart. I, at first, I was thinking maybe you miss God because you're coming. You know, you gave specific dates that you were coming, and you said you had a specific word and all that. And so I was thinking about that. And and before he called today, before or after some sometime during the day, I had this thought. 
In Thessalonians 2 and verse 18, Paul the Apostle said to the church of Thessalonica, I would have come to you time and again, but Satan hindered me. We have an adversary. And so he said, well, we'll do it next year. I said, no, don't, let's not write this year off yet. No, no, it's how, happened, how fast did it happen? And how fast can God have it over? And another, and I, and this prophetess, this, I'm going to share this with you too, before we read the next verses, because I got it working now, and so you have to stay with me. <laughs> no, this prophetess from Australia, I think she's from Australia, she had that accent. She said, I've never been to Canada, I don't know anything about Canada, but she said, I had a vision. She said, in the vision, there was a big maple tree, and it was on a hill. She said, and I saw this big maple tree being hit by a wind and then by a whirlwind. And one of the leaves was taken up and it was blown way up, way up into the air. And then it finally fell to the ground and died. She said, then I found out that their government is on on a place called Parliament Hill. Please pray for Canada because God's about to do something in, in Canada. I know what I thought about the leaf falling and dying, but that's something I'd rather not talk about right now. Hallelujah. So, so, but again, but again, if that didn't happen, that still shouldn't change who I am. You ever read Victor Frankl's book on the meaning of life? You ever read that? The guy that spent all those years in a concentration camp. And, and, and it didn't destroy him because, because he, he said, I can't stop what's happening to me, but I'm in charge of what happens in me. Awesome, powerful stuff. So here in verse, so now in chapter 15, verse 22, verse 11, rather, pardon me. <laughs> These things I have spoken unto you, Well, no, I better go back a couple verses. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, as the Father has loved me, so I love. How much does the Father love you? As much as he loves Jesus. Okay, can you argue with that verse? No. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, if you follow my guidelines, if you follow the pile of rocks that I've set up before you, if you do what I told you in Hebrews chapter 6, follow the forerunner that's entered within the veil. If you follow me, Paul said, if you follow me as I follow Christ, follow the guidelines. If you follow my pile of stones, (laughs) if you follow the markers that I made across the desert for you, you shall abide in my love, even as the fa- I have kept the Father's guidelines and abide by him. And again, I don't, I don't want to necessarily just use that one word guidelines because lots of people say, again, the Ten Commandments or Ten Suggestions it is, is not suggestions, and it's not guidelines so much as you ignore them and don't follow them. They're, it's like, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like if... We used to watch football before it went away, and it had yard lines and, and boundaries and borders. 
and they were there so that you could play the game correctly and that it could be judged properly. And so, so it's kind of like the center line on the highway. It's not there to hinder your experience with on the road. <laughs> he said, so if, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things, he said, I'm telling you this right now, so that because my joy might remain in you and that your joy would be full. And he said in verse 14, you're my friends if you do what I command you. You're my friends if you walk with me and follow me. You, you, not only are you my family, but you're my friends. Lots of times we used to sing a song, I am a friend of God. And I thought, no, that's, that's conditional. <laughs> I'm the family of God. But being a friend of God, Abraham became a friend of God. You need to study his life and see what he did. So, so and, but in verse 17, he said, these things I command you that you would love one another. Now we'll go to Philippians chapter 3 and wrap it up over there. Verse, um, well, he gives, his pet, he gives his pedigree in verse 4. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any other man thinks that he has confidence, I can trust even more. I was circumcised the eighth day, the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, of the Hebrews, the Hebrews, touching the law of Pharisee. I was even named after the first king. Saul was a, Saul, a Benjaminite. So he said, I got this great pedigree concerning seal, persecuting the church, church, touching the righteousness which came by the guidelines. I was blameless. But what these things were to me, I count as loss for Christ. Doubtless, I count it all to but, but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as dung that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which came by the guidelines, but that those through faith in Christ, the righteous, which is the righteousness, which is of God by faith that I might know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection that it did. Not that I already attained, neither had I already been perfect, perfected, or tell us complete, but I follow after that which I may apprehend the one that apprehended me. In other words, I want to do what Jacob did. Jacob, when he identified himself, God changed his identity. When he called himself and said, you know what, I'm a chiseler, I'm a, a thief and a cheat. God said, now, now I can bless you. Now I'm going to give you your real identity. You're Israel. You're a prince with God. You, you, you're a royal family. But I couldn't bless who you pretended to be. I had to wait until you became, until you got to the place where you wrestled with me all night and said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. I'm not letting you go until I find out my complete identity in Christ. I'm not letting you go until I walk in the fullness of the covenant of God. You said in Ephesians 1, 3, that you blessed me with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ and that you called me before the foundation of the world. Before I was ever born, you already had the whole deal done. And I'm not leaving without my full inheritance. And that's not, that's not putting a demand on God. He said in John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can demand what you will, and it shall be done. If you're not making a demand on God, you're making a demand on the covenant that he already gave you. You're covenant people. You're covenant people. Praise God. You got a pile of rocks between you and him. <laughs> Hallelujah.
So let me just close. Let me go back to Deuteronomy 6.5. You've got to let me do this, okay? And let me read the definition again because I want you to make, I want to make sure you got it. You got it. When you tell me you got it, yell at me and say, I got it. Okay. Command is T-S-A-V-A-H. Or in toll in Greek, it doesn't matter. So what it means is a pile of rocks, a map through the desert, direction, guidance, a treasure map. How many of you ever saw the movie uh, The Count of Monte Cristo? I recommend that movie. I recommend that movie because he, he's, he's meant to be a commander of a ship and he's kidnapped and thrown in prison. And the only way that he can escape the prison is by switching places with a dead man. And after he switches places with the dead man, when he comes to shore, all he's got is a treasure map to find, to find his way. And all you've got... You've got a treasure map. He said, this is, he said, this is more precious than gold that perishes. He said, this is the word of God. Get rid of your distractions. Make sure that you're not living Revelation 2 and verse 4. I lost my first love. It sounds like a backslider, but it, to me it doesn't. But, but to me, when I think about it, it's not somebody that's backslidden. It's somebody that got so cluttered up with the cares of life that they lost their way. I lost my first love because I got too busy with work. I got too busy with my children. I had took too many jobs trying to trying to make money that God had already promised me in His covenant. I got distracted, thinking about this and thinking about that and thinking of the other thing. And then I saw these guys tonight. I don't mean to brag on you, but, you, but it's probably a little embarrassing. But, you know, you don't get those harmonies. You don't, you don't get that anointing without putting in the time. But it's available for everybody. The glory of God is available for everybody. It's, it's there for all of us. And all we need to do is pursue it. Your first love. Your first love. Remember when you first got married. How are you treating her now? I'm not looking at anybody. <laughs> I'm not even looking at myself. <laughs> All you got to do is stir it up. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.